0: Ladies and gentlemen, now hosting the RizzoCast, put your hands together for Steven Rizzotto.
1: What's going on everybody and welcome. My name is Steven Risotto. I cover the San Francisco Giants for SF Bay. And I'm the host of RizzoCast, a podcast that features current and former big league players, coaches, fans, media, and others who are regarded as some of the brightest minds around the game of baseball. Today's guest is Dylan Cumming, a 23-year-old right-handed pitcher that recently signed a minor league deal with the San Francisco Giants as an undrafted free agent. Uh, Dylan is, is getting ready to take on professional baseball for the first time after pitching at Chicago State and liberty university Uh, in 2022 he kind of built somewhat of a celebrity status when a uh, a a video a viral video hit social media um kind of depicting it was a promotional video and he was in there uh singing uh, lip-syncing celine dion uh to unveil liberty's new jerseys so you might have remembered it you might have seen it on tiktok or instagram or whatnot uh dylan is is Checking in from Giants minor league facility in Scottsdale, Arizona, where uh, he's getting ready to uh, pitch in some spring training games happening later in March. Um, We talk about Dylan's deal with the Giants, the prospect of playing pro baseball, uh, his pitch mix growing up in baseball, and yes, that viral video, of course, all of it and so much more coming up next on RizzoCast. This is episode number 131. Let's get started. All right, we are here with Dylan coming the newest San Francisco Giant uh farmhand and Dylan is nice enough to take time out of his busy day and hop on the podcast. Dylan, how you doing? Welcome. I'm
0: doing great. Hope you're doing great as well out here in Scottsdale, living the life.
1: So, is it cuz I've heard conflicting reports. I'm not I've never been to Scottsdale in my life. I've never covered spring training. Um, is it cold there right now? Cause I'm hearing people say it's cold and there's people that are saying there's a few days in a row where it's been 65. Give us a little bit of the weather update down there in the cactus league.
0: Yeah. Once you're, once you're out there playing catch and doing your things outside, it's, it's pretty nice, especially being from Michigan. So, uh, like that 55 with, with a little breeze to me with the sun out, that feels pretty good to be out there and, and moving around and playing catch again. So, uh, I can't complain, but there definitely has been a couple of days where it's dropped down and we get up in the morning sometimes and it's 40 degrees when you're getting out of bed and rolling out of the hotel and it's it's pretty cold but overall for the most part when we're out there it's pretty nice and like right now it's a it's like sweatshirt sweatshirt and sweatpants weather but it's it's a comfortable it's a comfortable weather outside it's nice i like it
1: yeah there's nothing completely wrong with the sweatshirt sweatpants weather no it's yeah, it's when you it's comfortable yeah weather. <laughs> it's when you start bringing out like the the beanies and the double layers double layers <laughs> yeah that's when it starts to get yeah, a little bit yeah. of an issue uh so let's talk about kind of your new gig uh, a few weeks ago or i guess a week ago i don't know when it happened but you signed with the giants signed a minor league deal with the giants uh you weren't drafted um what is this opportunity like for you and uh, how did that all go down
0: yeah so i was uh, i was training this whole off season at uh tread athletics in north carolina it's a big pitching uh, f- uh facility out there and training there for a few months, went to their pro day that they had in January and uh, threw in that. I did all right. I had a decent showing and uh, walked away from that with basically zero contacts from anybody, zero phone calls. And was basically thinking like, okay, well, maybe Indy indie ball is going to be the route for me this, this first spring as a professional and uh, started reaching out to some teams for that. And next thing you know, I'm getting a text from the Giants. And it, it happened pretty fast. It was uh, a text from a, a scout that had seen me that day, basically said, I like your stuff. Uh, I'd like to talk to you, talk to him. And, it was a conversation I've had a million times before of like, yeah, we're interested in you, and hopefully we hear back. Like we'll be talking to you again, which at this point and where I've been, it's like okay, I've heard that so many times that I'm not going to get too excited about the the Giants potentially signing me because I've heard it heard it time and time again. And lo and behold, the next day their their big guy calls me, the scouting director calls me, and says, let's get this thing going and we're going to sign you. So I was like, wow, that's happened a lot faster than I expected it to. And within ten days, I was shipped out here to Arizona.
1: And, and how has that been? Because I know the Giants have put a lot of work into that, that minor league facility, and apparently it's really, really nice. Again, I've never oh, yeah. been there, but I heard the facility's really nice. There's a lot of amenities. Am I right about that?
0: It, it's beautiful. It's it's top of the line. I mean, I have I assumed everything about uh, being in a professional organization is going to be nice, but it's it blows you away. It's the scenery outside of the stadium, outside of the fields is crazy. They have the Papago Park around you. Yeah. It's, these big rock formations is awesome. People are hiking out there and uh like even just the turf like as much as like just like the warm-up area we run around and get stretched before we go out and actually do baseball stuff is like impeccable it looks like a it looks like turf it looks like artificial grass and it's it's maintained like crazy it's it's wild
1: and i guess what were you kind of expecting when you when you inked that contract i mean coming out of college you know you had a few really good uh you know college years and and now you're coming into pro ball is there anything that that changes for you specifically what are you expecting i guess going into pro ball your first year
0: yeah there was a there was a lot of like i'd heard some stories from like guys that have played in in the minors with my with my team at liberty that i'd I'd become friends with and uh so i had a little bit of expectations of kind of like the people to meet and like who i was going to expect to to see around here but i don't know it's kind of it's kind of the same thing you've always done it's i mean at the end of the day it's you're going out there and playing baseball you're working out where your workouts are the same as they always have been, so just in a nicer facility, and at the end of the day, you're you're tossing a baseball back and forth to somebody and playing catch off the mound like you always have. So it's it's not a ton different, except for just like the little like the little amenities that you just don't even think about, like the the snacks after your workouts, the smoothie stations, mm-hmm. the unlimited protein things that you want, like whatever you want is there for you, and you got no excuse to not get better. And uh, that's the that's the only difference. Which I was fortunate enough to be at Liberty University, where we had a good amount of funding for all of our athletics programs, so. I got a little bit of that firsthand at at Liberty for the last two years. And then coming here, it's like that to the, to the max, everything's extreme.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Limited snacks. What are they, what are they giving you guys?
0: Oh, we got anything you can think of. We got, we get all types of granola stuff. We got a granola (laughs) station. We've got a trail mix station. We've got uncrustables until uh, basically bottomless uncrustables after, after lifts and stuff like that. It's just anything you can think of. Fresh fruits every day, salad bars, and it's awesome. It's a great, it's a great setup.
1: So Michael Holmes is is that the guy that that gave you a call, the scouting director of the Giants?
0: Uh so I spoke to uh my scout first, Ross Pruitt. And then uh no, it was somebody else. It was uh maybe it was the assistant scouting director. Uh name's not coming to me right now. I actually talked to him today. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but uh yeah, after he talked to me, it was uh the pitching coordinator, the assistant pitching coordinator uh reached out to me, Clay Rapata, and talked to him and then uh it was basically just let's get you out here and get your physical going and see where you're at and i was like all right pumped to do it
1: yeah clay rapata former left-hander um did did uh what have you done so far i guess what have these uh these you know the last few days been like what's the routine is it just kind of a morning thing i know we're recording this right now kind of in the afternoon around um three o'clock mountain standard time but what is kind of a, a normal day like for you down there at uh at papago and at the uh, complex
0: yeah. So we've been, we've been ramping up. We, uh, I'm two bullpen or three bullpens in, in a live session that I've thrown so far. So we're getting going pretty quick, uh, getting ready for the spring training games to come up here in the next few weeks. And, uh, I mean, the, I'd say that the average day is, is getting on these vans that take us from the, the hotel to the facility <clears throat> around nine. Uh, we get there and you're kind of on your own after breakfast, they give us breakfast. They have a, a chef there, two good chefs that are really nice to us and feed us well. So, we get a good breakfast, uh, then we get going on our kind of our own activation, kind of whatever you need to get, get done to get your body feeling good. And then uh, we all meet together for a, a nice stretch out with our, our strength co- coaches. They get us feeling good again, and then we go out and do our plyos, do our throwing. And then depending on the day, you'll have either some like PFP, some pitching, fielding practice type stuff. You'll have some situational stuff, some pickoffs. And then you'll go in and either lift or you go in and kind of do some post throwing arm care stuff and then you're pretty much done for the day with uh, these first few days of mini camp and the first few weeks of mini camp, it hasn't been too too long a day, but once these games get going, it'll be long. It's gonna be getting there at nine o'clock and leaving at like five o'clock from what I've heard. So And then do
1: and then do most most of the players at the complex do they like hop on podcasts right after or is it just you? <laughs>
0: that's a question for them i don't know we kind of we all kind of go back to the hotel and just decompress because even though they're pretty short days right now you're still like you're trying to recoup and get ready for the next one so and with no off days you're just trying to stay on top of your health and make sure you're feeling good so we all kind of go to our separate ways and decompress
1: and do you guys have any idea when the uh when some of the games are going to start because i know that there's some matchups whether it be interleague whether it be you know another team bringing in their uh you know their squad do you know when any of that starts
0: yeah, I think uh, March 14th is when our games officially get going, like the minor league spring training games get going. So we'll have some scrimmages leading up to that, of course, and then some live ABs throughout the rest, the rest of these weeks. But uh, yeah, I think March 14th is the, the first day.
1: Awesome. Now let's get into you a little bit. I, I know that uh, you mentioned that you, you know, you're a Michigan guy. How did you kind of get into baseball? Did you play other sports as a kid? Give me kind of your, your upbringing kind of as a uh, as a baseball player and maybe just as an athlete in general.
0: Yeah, I played tons of sports growing up. I was always trying to play basketball, whether it was super competitive or not. Same with football. I played uh, youth football for my whole life growing up. Uh, baseball was one of the ones that I didn't play early on. Uh, I did like the, the pre-T-ball kind of. It was like a, basically learning the basics for like kindergartners and hated it. It was the most boring thing in the world because it was very poorly run. We just basically would stand around and they'd have one kid hit and then you'd run on the bases and there was no games. So it was very annoying to me. And as a little kid, I just didn't want to do that anymore. So I took probably seven years off of baseball. And we played wiffle ball still. Like I played wiffle ball every day. Like that was just our, our thing in our, our backyard. We played tennis ball, baseball, wiffle ball. So baseball was always a part of the childhood, but not the actual games. And then, uh, yeah, it was like one day when I was 12, my dad was watching us play wiffle ball and he was with like, Dylan, you want me to sign up for baseball? Like baseball, like the actual games would be more fun now that you're older. And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? And, uh, so being 12 years old and not having played competitive baseball yet. And a lot of the guys that are playing travel ball now at, eight years old and i kind of missed out on that whole that whole wave of kids but um it was fun i went and played little league ball for two years went on travel ball after that and just kind of slowly saw myself getting better at baseball and kind of staying stagnant in the other sports and i was like okay i might as well see what i can do in baseball and that was kind of became my main sport after the first two years but uh size i was never i was never the biggest guy so i was always like i love football i love basketball but as the kids started getting taller and bigger and i wasn't it was like well at least baseball i can still compete (laughs) and uh (laughs) Luckily got a little height in me towards the end of my high school years and got up to past six foot. But, uh, yeah, for a while I was the I was the short, skinny kid that was trying to compete in basketball and football and it didn't work out too well.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, that's a long time to kind of take off. And I know you mentioned you were playing wiffle ball. Uh, but, like, going back at 12, I mean, a lot of kids, you know, their arms kind of develop at that time, and you're, like, walking right into kid pitch. I yeah, mean, did, yeah. was there any, like, adjustment there going from, like, this – this league i guess where they teach you the rules to like a little bit of wiffle ball in between to like oh here's a 12 year old pumping you know 65 on me was there like a a little bit of a a change i guess i never really thought about
0: it because it wasn't i wasn't doing it to be competitive at the time it was more of like yeah like i like wiffle ball i like the rule i like the idea of baseball like it'll be fun so uh i never really thought of it as like this is going to be a challenge or this is a challenge it was kind of just a I'm gonna go up there with my bat. I'm gonna hit the ball if I can, and I'm gonna pitch the ball when I can, and it's gonna be it. I'm gonna hang out with my buddies that are at the field. It was little league baseball. It wasn't anything super competitive, and uh, no, but I had a blast. The first two years were super fun. and hit a lot of inside the park home runs. I didn't have a lot of power, so I'd mm-hmm. I'd slap it down the lines and run as fast as I could around the bases and get my inside the parkers, and that was a, that was a good time. So it was it was awesome I did, I uh, when I when I did that first league where you just learn the rules and the basics, I think I was honestly too young to even remember the, the extent of it. It was more of just like it was literally like we were little munchkins walking around just with our helmets down like this. We didn't know what we were doing. We were just walking around with our dandelions in our pockets. So who knows?
1: Yeah. They weren't teaching you like Bach moves, you know, in that league at all. I'm sure. No, no. <laughs> uh, I'm going to take no. a guess, Dylan. I'm going to say that uh, you were a Detroit Tigers fan growing up. Was that right?
0: Absolutely. Yep.
1: So what, what kind of, what do you, what do you remember about some of those tiger teams? Cause I mean, I always think back to like, you know, 2012 when they went to the world series, there's that team with, you know, all the great pitchers that ended up yeah. winning Cy Young's and Miguel Cabrera was there. What do you remember about some of those, those tiger teams growing up?
0: Yeah. So that was perfect time tigers. Cause I was first getting into baseball when I was 11, 12 and, uh, having the tigers be that good when I first gotten into it, it was like, this is awesome. So we get to go to the, we get to go to the ballpark. I was 45 minutes away from Comerica. So we were going there and watching games all the time and. Tickets were decently cheap, even when they were pretty good. And uh I just remember taking it for granted after a couple of years, like looking back at it, like wow, like, we were watching Justin Verlander, David Price, we were watching all these dudes pitch, and I was I would get mad if Max Scherzer was pitching because I wanted to see Justin Verlander. Like we go to a Tigers <laughs> game and I'd look up who's pitching, and like, Oh, it's Max Scherzer, like, oh I wanted to see Verlander. And looking back at it, it's like, Holy crap, we were watching a potential Hall of Famer throwing uh over and over again and I would get I would get mad seeing Max Scherzer pitch. But uh it was awesome. Uh, Miguel Cabrera was always an idol. I was I was watching videos of him all the time, even though I was a little, little skimpy uh, 13-year-old trying to hit the ball out of the infield. And I was watching Miguel Cabrera hit 450-foot nukes all the time for, for practice, and it was awesome. It was a, that's a great, it was a great team to watch for like three or four years there, uh, making it to the World Series, getting beaten by the Giants in, in four games. Mm-hmm. But it was a great run they had there. And then I'm also an, an Orioles fan. It was, it was Baltimore and Tigers my two favorite teams. So when they competed in the ALDS that one year, I had to go to those games. It was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, that was the year where Delman Young hit like a, he had like a big double down the line or something. I'm unlocking memories myself here too. Delman Young is quite the name drop, gotta say.
0: Delman Young, and he played for the Tigers too.
1: Yeah, Uh, that's right.
0: Delman, I remember sitting at home watching that game and like being so conflicted of like, I don't even know who I want to win anymore. It's like Tigers are the hometown team, but I love the Orioles. Had a bunch of Orioles jerseys growing up. And uh, Delman Young hit that ball and I was like, yes, but no, I want the Tigers to win.
1: (laughs) 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 yeah all the the people in San Francisco you know back to that 2012 World Series all the people in San Francisco they always say you know Miguel Cabrera is still looking for that Sergio Romo slider because that was all Romo threw. and then the one time he throws a fastball it's uh it's right down the middle and triple crown winner takes it I mean was Cabrera a guy like I mean is it weird seeing like some of those guys still playing like you're in professional baseball now like recently and you look up and you see like Wow, okay, Verlander's still in the league. Scherzer's still in the league. Cabrera, it's his final year. He's still in the league. Is that kind of like a pipe dream to like kind of share a field with them at some point? I know there's not a lot of time left. Those guys are getting older, yeah, but yeah. is that kind of a pipe dream for you?
0: Yeah. And more so the younger guys cuz I guess when I was younger and was watching them, I never really thought about like I'll be playing like my goal is to be playing with them at some point cuz that was just mm. it was not what I was not where my mind was at at the time. Uh as I got older, like end of the high school, it was kinda of like the younger guys like the Bryce Harpers and the Mike Trouts. It was like, okay, like at some point, like if I make it, they're gonna be in the league. Like those guys are gonna be around there. uh they were more of the guys that I aspired to like eventually share a field with and strike I like I wanna strike those guys out. I wanna get those guys out, kind of thing. And uh but Miguel Cabrera was more of just a. that's kind of an idol. Like he's just like this old this old figure that was like mm-hmm. this is that's a legendary figure I get to see all the time at Comerica Park. And never really never really thought about like the idea of being with him or being on the same field or that kind of thing, but definitely idolized them forever.
1: Yeah, no doubt and and hopefully he goes out strong. I know he's had a few uh Yeah, I hope so. few tough uh, injury years in terms of yeah. uh his his legs, but uh all the best. definitely a first battle Hall of Famer, one of the greatest hitters oh, yeah. to to ever play the game. Um I I read that your mom was she's in the Hall of Fame for uh Flint Michigan for volleyball, is that right?
0: Yeah, she was a freak athlete. Uh, and your dad had played volleyball too? Yeah, they met playing beach volleyball professionally uh my mom was basketball and volleyball at central michigan university uh my dad was track and field in college and then after college kind of found volleyball and was, he's tall and athletic and can jump really well and i was like yeah I'll take up this volleyball thing and they both became very good volleyball players and played professionally on the
1: beach so did you like follow and start playing volleyball yourself as a kid or is that just something you were never I into
0: played a little bit it was uh it was fun but i had more fun doing other things so it was kind of like if i if there was a chance to do it i would play same with my younger brother. My brother, my younger brother plays a little bit more than I do. He uh, actually played in some like uh, travel teams, and like played in some tournaments for volleyball for indoor. I never did that as much, uh, but we were always around volleyball because my mom was a varsity volleyball coach at the high school I went to. Uh, she coached there for a long, long time. So growing up, we'd go to her practices and mess around on the courts and whatnot. So volleyball was definitely a big part of my childhood, just watching so much of it and being around it. It was an awesome sport, but yeah, that's how they met.
1: Yeah, a little bit of a, an athletic gene there. Um, yeah, yeah. so I, I want to ask about, you know, pitching wise. Um, I was watching some of the videos that, uh, tread, tread athletics was, was posting. I guess, first of all, let's talk about tread real quick, pump them up. I mean, I know everybody's kind of got their off season, um, you know, facility where they go to give a little time and pump up tread, pump up what they've kind of taught you. And, and what's it been like working out there?
0: Yeah, so this is my first year going there this offseason. Basically, it was kind of a like a last-second resort of, like, I need to go somewhere to try to get my name out there because I didn't get drafted when I was expecting to and that whatnot. So uh, going there was awesome. It was like, – the best thing I talk about with all these guys that have gone there and I ask them, like, what do they think about your time at Tread? Like, regardless of how much you gain, regardless of, like, the, the physical things you take away as a baseball player, just the atmosphere and the people you're around there is amazing. And that's something that nobody will disagree with that's been there. And uh, like, you're just, you're around a bunch of dudes who are grinding all off season to get themselves better. And they're, they're excited for you to get better. There's no, there's no competition for the most part. It's a lot of just like, it's a brotherly like area where you're all just there grinding. And uh, that was awesome. Having a catcher on hand at all the times during the off season, like there's, there's just so many things you can't take for granted that like these big facilities like them, like they're expensive, but they're, they're expensive for a reason. You you can't mm. you can't just have a catcher at your hand. You can't have track man behind you at all times. Like there's just certain things that you you miss out on going to a smaller facility and they manage to they make it a top of the notch facility for sure and it's an awesome place to be.
1: Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I know that uh, I actually had someone on maybe a few years ago who, who worked that drive line and I I think I asked like uh, it was a stupid question. I I probably should have known the answer, but I was like you know i've seen a few people they go through there they always say that they work at driveline and they show up to spring training. they have added velocity and such who goes through driveline and they wouldn't answer because apparently at driveline they sign like the the non-disclosure agreement to where they can't disclose you know who works out there um so i mean does anybody like notable come through tread or is it kind of like an up-and-coming uh place to train
0: so they have been growing rapidly these last few years uh i think it's i don't want to completely butcher this but i want to say that they are founded within like the last six years five or six years and then it Mm -hmm. went kind of from like a basically just some remote stuff and some local athletes that they were dealing with and then they got to a like a small warehouse then got to a bigger one and now they're at this huge massive facility that can hold 200 plus people at a time and they've got four bullpen setups they can do five bullpen setups they can do it at one time a bunch of track man like uh they've grown massively and like There's been, I want to say, our pro day that we had had 20-plus guys with big league service come in and throw in our affiliate uh, pro day, so there's all those guys. Noah Syndergaard was in there for a little while trying to get some Velo back. I know Kluber's worked there in the past. Um, uh, the closer for the Rays, I forget his name, Big Tall Righty. Yeah, I, the know, top.
1: I, th- yeah I know who you're talking about, yeah. Uh,
0: freaky Fastball, dude throws riding fastballs like they're taking off. I forget his name. Uh, he was there. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of big leaguers, a lot of big leaguers come through there. And even if they don't come through there at their own facilities out West or wherever they're at in Florida and they're, they're using it remotely. Cause we have some really good coaches there at, uh, at tread.
1: And I guess what could giants fans kind of expect from you in terms of your, your repertoire per se, your, your arsenal of pitches? Um, I'm going to try to guess real quick. Cause I, I saw okay, the video, see. I saw the video and I'm going to try to guess. I think I know my movements pretty good. I was a PO in, in high school, all through high school uh, Po, by the way, like that's such an unbelievable life in my mind. Um, so I'm gonna <laughs> guess based on the movements. Okay, you got a you got a right, fastball, it. but it's more of like a a sinker with two seam action. Okay. 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 I saw a changeup mixed in there with like two seam tail a little bit. It might have been a split though. I don't know. It looked confusing. And I don't I, I, yeah. I also heard somebody say throw the split, throw the split. So I don't know which one it was. There's definitely a just a bolt like a like some wicked slide piece there too um am i kind of on the right track there what's what's your You're right. that's
0: the main that's the main three so it's a sinker i'm a sinker baller i throw a little three four so pretty easy for me to get some sink uh sinker baller change up that mirrors the sinker pretty much identically it's got the same spin same axis and everything like that it's just a, a 10 miles an hour slower and then uh slider which is my big sweeping pitch which is what's my it's my go-to against the righties for the most part it it, it uh it's got a lot of shape it's a it's a very large pitch it uh, it gets up to like 25 inches of, of break on it which is pretty high and uh it's a little bit slower than most most like sweeping sliders that you'll see in the bigs but uh just the, the pure shape of it and throwing it from as far over to the right side of the rubber as i do it makes it pretty deceiving so mm-hmm. those are my main three i do throw in a four seam there every once in a while and no splitter mm-hmm. but uh yeah tinkered with the four seam and i tinkered with the, with the cutter a little bit but uh yeah the main three are the, of the sinker change up and
1: slider yeah. One of the videos has a headline saying like you're learning a cutter. So did the yeah, cutter just I not like, did it not progress? Did it not, you know, what's it, going uh,
0: on? It was inconsistent. It was, when it was good, it was really good. It was getting cut ride. So it was, it was hanging up like a four seam, but also still cutting, which compared to my other pitches, it was a very like oddball pitch from my arm angle. And, uh, some of like our lefty hitters that I faced there at tread were kind of saying like, it, it, it's hard to pick up because you're mm-hmm. expecting sync over and over and over again. And now you see this firm pitch and it's coming in at you. So, uh, it was a good idea. I think it still is potentially there maybe in a future season or something like that, but definitely needed some work on it and just didn't have the time necessarily to to grind it and figure out what was, what was going to make it more consistent.
1: Are you a guy? Cause like, I I know that, you know, maybe, you know, you're not a guy that's going to go out there and throw, you know, 98, 99, a hundred. Do you feel like you're, you know, you rely a lot more on, on command and control and, you know, out finessing guys instead of, you know, having the velocity is that something that you've kind of mastered trying to know yourself and know the movements and know the shapes uh because there are going to be guys that are going to you know out out velocity you I guess per se but how has that been kind of learning the art of pitching rather than you know maybe blowing the blowing guys away
0: yeah I think it's a lot of it's just being conscious of who you are as a pitcher and knowing that like me throwing a muscled up sinker and having it miss up is not going to be beneficial to me, whether it's my yeah. hardest pitch I've ever yeah. thrown or not, because it's still not going to be hard enough. And uh, so it's a lot about just really commanding the zone. The zone's yours to to take over, and unless you've got stuff that's going to just blow people away, like you've got to take the, you got to take over the zone and uh, make them make them swing the bat. I'm a pitch to contact kind of guy for the most part, and uh, I'll get I'll get more strikeouts against righties than anything just because of my big slider. But um, especially like lefties, I have to make sure that they know that. They're gonna have to go up there swinging and hit the pitch that I want them to hit, and not something that they want. Because, uh, like you said, like it's not gonna—I'm not gonna surprise them with a 97 up in the zone, <laughs> not yet at least. Hopefully, when yep. I get some weight on me and, and I've been in the Giants organization for a little while, I'll get some get some numbers up there. But uh, yeah, as of right now, it's really just a—I'm a command guy for the most part and rely on my movement for the most part.
1: Yeah, hey, there you go. And the Giants—they have kind of this this recent record of just like doing unbelievable things to pitchers. You know, Kevin Gosman and Carlos Rodon and guys getting multi-year deals left and right. So um I think the same would go for their, their pitchers in their minor league system. Uh And by the way, just from a non-journalistic take the, uh the change up down and away to a lefty is one of the best and most prettiest pitches in the game. Oh, in my it. mind. I
0: love it. There's nothing better than getting a swing and miss on that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Those ones. Yep. I mean, those are the ones that you play with and it will be the show and you're constantly throwing the circle change down and away. Yep. And it's so good. Um I guess this leads me into my next point. Do you do you work quick? Cause this is this is now something that's being talked about quite a bit going into spring training. Are you a guy that's like a get it and go guy? Do you like to take your 35, 40 seconds? Or like what no, what's no, kind of no, your I'm, rhythm I, on the mound?
0: I I definitely speed up the game, uh, on the hitter. That's that's what I try to do. even out of the stretch, I'm I'm like a one a one one to one two to the plate. I'm I'm pretty quick to the plate. Uh That's kind of always been a thought of like if I'm not going to – like when I was at Chicago State, my first goal was that, if I'm not going to have the grossest stuff, i got to be able to at least control the run game. i got to be able to throw strikes, like just the little things like that. So that's kind of always been what I've done. And, uh, yeah, the pitch clock shouldn't bother me. I don't think that should bother me at all unless something's going on with with signs being incorrect and not being able to get on the same page with the catcher or something like that. But, uh, yeah, if, if anything, it'll be pretty much what I've always done. As long as I just don't pay attention to the clock and kind of do my own thing, I should be all right. And I know in some college
1: levels they have the clock. Did did they have it at Liberty at all?
0: They did. Yeah, they were they were supposed to enforce it. It was it wasn't super strict. Certain umpires would get a little more strict about it, but I never ran into an issue with it. I was I wasn't one of those guys that would ever have to deal with it. Um, I would say we probably saw maybe three or four like warnings throughout the year. Hardly ever because you were allowed one warning in college, so uh, it was very rare that somebody would get a warning and then mess up and do it another twenty seconds longer. So uh, didn't really see too often.
1: Yeah, so pitch clock doesn't affect you. Interesting. Um, it, have you gotten the chance to work with PitchCom so far? And and like, do they have that at the facility? Have Have you guys kind of toggled with that at all?
0: Yeah. So this year, well, let me go back to last year. I heard from last year that uh, one of the A ball teams was experimenting with PitchCom in the minors and stuff like that. And they kind of realized that unless all the teams were going to be on board with using PitchCom in the minors, it's kind of giving the teams that do have it an advantage. So they've cut that out and only triple a is gonna be using pitchcon this year, so we have not. oh wow,
1: that. interesting. Yep. I didn't know that yeah no, that that's really interesting um and I guess some of the the other rules I guess I mean, I could get your thoughts on them just a little bit um the uh the pitch clock was the big one, and I think the the yeah. next big one was definitely the uh the defensive shifts and I don't know how many defensive shifts there were in college. I mean, you only have so much information on 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 these hitters there's not enough to you know determine whether a guy is more capable of grounding a one one slider to the right side than you know so i guess college you got to use your head more than than some of the data uh so uh, what do you think about banning the shift did you like having guys you know over shifting behind you or i mean what do you think about that new uh new rule coming into the game
0: i was was always super mixed on it when i was like when we would do shifts for me. So Liberty mm-hmm. and a lot of the bigger schools, you'll actually find, like, a lot of these the, the competitive D1 schools will get a ton of information. Like, you'd be surprised at how much information you can get on some Scary. of these teams that, yeah. that yeah, you can get on, and it's even more so at the pro level. But, uh, now we shifted a lot. We had an emphasis on pitching and defense at Liberty, and, uh, like, my first year there, we were the number one defense in the country uh, for, uh, what do you call that, Error, like, fielding percentage, with the highest mm-hmm. fielding percentage in the country. And we prided ourselves on the ability to peel ground balls and be in the right spots, and we shifted a ton and it was always kind of fifty-fifty for me like i was saying like you love to get that ball back at you and you're like ah oh, shoot i just gave up a, I just gave up a single up the middle and you turn around and your shortstop's standing there like that's a great feeling but it's also a terrible feeling to give a, get a ground ball with a guy on first shortstop and you turn around and your shortstop's not there and it's like oh my gosh so it's a double edged sword it's uh i could take it or leave it i'd say Overall, for the game of baseball, I'd prefer there not to be any shifts or at least limited shifts like they're going to do right now where you can't go past second base, that kind of thing because at the end of the day, it does take away from a lot of the hitters, and it just kind of I like not having the doubt of is there going to be somebody behind me or is there not going to be somewhere in this hole? do I have to try to do something a little bit more to get them to hit roll over to the right side and kind of takes that out of it and just kind of pitch to your strengths rather than pitching to a side of the plate to make them hit it too. so it'll be interesting it'll be interesting to see.
1: Yeah, and I've always been kind of more empathetic towards pitchers because I always look and I'm like, God, every rule that baseball's ever implemented has hurt the pitchers. Like, you know, in the '60s, they you know pitching was just so good that they they lowered the mound, and then you know pitching was so good that they added the DH, and pitching was so good that they have to check them for substances every five seconds. I mean, it, pitching just like it's yeah. for whatever reason, like pitching takes over the game, and a lot of people don't like it, but it's gonna be interesting to see some of these. Um, these new rules. Um, and I guess finally, you know, you, uh, you kind of put things together this past summer, um, uh, in, uh, in, in summer ball, uh, playing with, and this is an unbelievable team name, the Burlington sock puppets, uh, in the Appalachian league. And I mean, you had a great, great few starts there. Yeah. I think you appeared in nine games. What well, was kind of different from, uh, from what you put together down there in the summer league?
0: Yeah, I think it was kind of taking everything I had ever like, learned over the last year and a half two years at liberty and just kind of putting it all out there for the most part and not having to worry about necessarily like oh we have to like we have to win this game or I got to be more efficient because like uh, I got to turn around and pitch the next week and that kind of thing it was a lot more uh, of a free environment for a pitcher like myself and being an older guy on the team I was one of the older ones there yeah. uh, I kind of just got to do whatever I felt like was going to work and adjust it from there which uh, like at, at school, you were like the coaches are worried about losing their job. They're worried about winning games. Like you gotta like you gotta win your games and compete and compete and win win a tournament at some point. Versus in summer ball, a lot of the guys are just kind of getting their working for the summer. The coaches are still trying to win, but uh, it's a lot on yourself and just kind of doing whatever you need to get done. And I experimented a lot with things about like uh, trying to throw fastballs up as a sinker baller, which is usually frowned upon because it's like you're flat throwing a flattened yeah. sinker at the top of the zone. But kind of tweaked some things and got my ball to kind of ride at the top of the zone and sink at the bottom of the zone and it was just something I never really thought to try at Liberty because it's like I can't be experimenting things on in a weekend series where we have to win two out of three kind of thing so uh kind of gave me the ability to try some things out and just kind of take what I already learned and take it to the next level and I think that's exactly what I did I threw everything that I wanted to and went out there and experimented and things started working.
1: Yeah, and did you? You mentioned you were one of the oldest guys on the team. Did you ever feel like a sense of responsibility to like take on a leadership role? I know you weren't there for long, but uh, you know you're playing with eighteen and nineteen year olds. Was was there yeah. a point where it's like, God, this is ridiculous? But also, was it an opportunity to open a window to kind of like you know take some of these young guys under your wing?
0: It was a uh, yeah. At first, the first few weeks or first week, I'd say it was like a little bit of like a whiley. I'm playing on a team full of high, basically like fresh high schoolers. Like these yeah. kids feel so young to me. And uh, my other teammate from Liberty, Tyler Germanowski was there with me. And we both kind of thought the same thing cause we were both older. And, uh, but no, after a few weeks, once we got settled in and got to know everybody, it was, it was pretty fun. And it was a, it was a fun, refreshing environment to be around. And uh, definitely I wouldn't say I took any of those guys under their wing cause they were all pretty competitive, like D1 athletes for the most part and, uh it was cool to see what like, kind of the things that they were doing and the things they were working on at their school and bouncing thoughts off of like things that i've learned over the last five years of college baseball and kind of give them some insight on that kind of stuff but uh yeah i'd say it was a fair balance of like a it was a mutual helping like i i told them some things but it wasn't more of like a hey like let me come let me let me go talk to you for a little bit kind of take you on my under my wing uh there was none of that we were all friends for the most part but uh Yeah, it was a good, I think it was a good learning experience for me to kind of talk about what I've learned over the summer with them, as well as like how they can take it to the next few years of college baseball.
1: Yeah, I'm looking, there's another guy here who's, who's 17 years old from China, Zach Keen. I don't know. I don't know if you played with him, but.
0: Yeah, they, uh, they showed up at the end of the summer. I only, I only met them once when I came back and pitched a couple more times after the draft, uh. Didn't get to know them very well, but they had some some guys come in from the they were in the draft league, I think. All there was I think three of them, three kids from China that had came over and played in the draft league. And then when the draft league ended, they came over to the Appalachian League.
1: Yeah, 17. That probably makes you feel a bit more older. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I guess uh finally here before we wrap up, and you're not gonna avoid this, Dylan. Um, the uh you're you're known for kind of like making these these really cool like TikTok videos, and one of the ones that you did was a promotion for the uh, the jersey reveal uh for liberty liberty's jersey reveal for the uh the 2002 season and you came out singing celine dion and lip-syncing you were lip-syncing you weren't singing but we should you should make one where you're actually singing that would be cool um <laughs> i mean this went viral it blew up everywhere i mean what was kind of the uh i mean did you know it would go viral how did that kind of all start
0: it was a so we it was an eight man crew that put the thing together. We had our entire Liberty staff, like uh, creative team, working on that. We had people holding the leaf blowers, doing the lights, people throwing me yeah. that. It was it was a whole pro- production for sure. And uh, I would say at first it was kind of like this is a little goofy. Like this is like it's funny, but like I don't know if this is really gonna be what we do for a, a reveal of our jerseys. And then as soon as we saw it right afterwards and they showed us like what it's going to look like, it was like, okay, that's pretty good. Like that, that might get some traction. That's pretty funny. And uh, we were pumped for it to go out to the public. And then the next day when it did, it was within hours, like within hours, I was out, uh, we were in the middle of the season. It was probably like week two or week three that that came out. And uh, when that was going viral, it was, I was seeing it everywhere. I was getting DMS from people across the world saying this is the best thing ever. I was getting reporters from places saying that, can we use this footage like that kind of thing. And uh Next thing you know, I'm at a, a restaurant in local in my local place in Lynchburg, and it's on Sports Center. And pardon my take, and they're talking about it. in pardon my take here and stuff like that. It's like, oh my gosh, it's crazy.
1: Yeah, anytime you get on, pardon my take, that's that's a game changer for sure. Um, I mean, I guess like video aside, because that's great and all. I mean you you got something out of it all of a sudden now you're on like Cameo and you're making cameos for people you're wishing random people happy birthday I mean it, it kind of yeah. changed you a little bit I mean did you did you feel like you were like famous for just a quick second <laughs>
0: It, basically it was I was I was actually recognized a couple of times at like at uh at games we'd go play another school and they'd like, Oh, you're the guy from the video and I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, I'm the guy from the video <laughs> And then uh even at Summer Bowl there was little kids that like uh would ask me like for an autograph or a picture because they they saw the video and they knew I was playing uh with the sock puppets and that kind of thing. It was pretty funny.
1: Yeah, no no. And I guess uh the the main point was to promote the jersey. So I will ask, yeah. the baby blue jersey, how was it? I mean that's the oh, main they were question fire. that they doesn't were get good. asked. Fire. Okay. Yeah,
0: those those res with fire. Yeah. Well, we got a lot of a lot of hate from some SEC schools and uh saying that like they, they look like old miss or they look like whatever. And it's like, okay, well baby blues are not are not staple to anybody in particular. It's been going around for ages with the uh Indian will be the Cardinals had 'em, Expos had them, Phillies of using and forever, so that no one claims the baby blues. So I didn't want to hear that.
1: <laughs> yeah. The baby blues do not belong to any certain generation. Uh I think they work just fine. Um yeah. And I, I mean, I, I did mention that you are kind of big on social media. Is that something that like, you know, you take pride in doing, like you take pride in kind of being a fun personality, uh, you know, people gravitate towards that kind of thing, especially in athletics when, uh, athletes are just spent, our athletes are viewed upon as, you know, athletes and not really people off the field. So is that kind of something that you've kind of put together, uh, and taking pride, <laughs> that's a weird question, taking pride in your TikTok account, but I guess, do you, <laughs>
0: no not necessarily i i enjoy and i take pride in putting smile on people's faces and just being a nice person and uh expressing myself whatever whatever way that is and uh the following came but it wasn't something that like i'm like oh i've got i'm so proud of this following that i have that kind of thing it's not like that it's more just a like if if there was 500 people that would follow me or if there was fifty thousand on tiktok it wouldn't make a difference to me i enjoy doing what i was doing i was making videos of my dog started off and that was one of the things i just was doing to pass my time that's where I first started getting a lot of followers and, and getting uh, popular on TikTok was videos of my bulldog that I have. His name's Remy. Shout out to Remy. <laughs> but, yeah, how's uh,
1: how's Remy doing? Is Remy in Arizona Remy's with great.
0: you? Remy's not. He's back in, uh, in Georgia with my parents. Yeah. Couldn't get him out here, but he's doing well. Big, fat, big fat boys laying on the couch probably right now.
1: <laughs> well, we're hoping that uh, Remy is listening because uh, that, that would be huge for the uh, listenership uh i don't think we've ever had dogs listen but it's pretty <laughs> awesome and and it's cool that by the way that you uh you know you you posted that you were officially a giant and you get this outpouring support from giants fans and uh yeah, what did that kind of mean to you because i mean you went through and you responded to a lot of them you said thanks you know uh everybody was kind of welcoming you to uh to the giants family and uh, what was that kind of like seeing all that support
0: yeah no, it was awesome It's it's uh similar to kind of like the feeling of like being at Liberty for the first time. Liberty has an awesome fan base and they they love their Liberty sports and like leaving Liberty uh and going on this next adventure before I'd even really accomplished anything, just being in, in Burlington for uh for the first couple of weeks doing well. I was getting messages from people all over at Liberty saying, like, congrats, you're doing so well, and hopefully you get drafted, that kind of thing. So they were always on me. And then now joining the Giants organization and immediately getting some some feedback from their fans saying they're glad to have me on board. It's it was awesome. It's cool, really cool to see. And responding to people is always something that i've like taken pride in that like that's that's one thing that it takes me two seconds to say thank you and to say like you're welcome or do whatever it is on the online and it can make somebody's day so i'm always making sure i respond to people and make sure that their that their messages are heard to me and i appreciate all of them
1: well once these uh these games start up in uh kind of mid-march there's going to be some fans there and you're gonna have to work on your autograph so i guess that's that's yeah, something or absolutely. you probably already have one that's pretty decent i'd imagine
0: it's all right it's all right
1: there you go. That's fine. Good enough. Uh, dude, Dylan, really I appreciate <laughs> you coming on, man. This was great. And, uh, and, uh, I wish you the best of luck going forward with the giants organization and, uh, appreciate your time and appreciate you coming on.
0: Yeah. Appreciate you having me. It's been awesome.
1: And of course, everybody could follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at RizzoCast. Go check us out. Spotify, Apple podcasts, YouTube, wherever you find your podcast. Uh, thanks for listening and have a great day.